Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Alright, let me go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned in to episode 141 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Uh, sorry about the wait. Uh, you know, I had some uh, family dealings I was going through, and uh, still going through it. Um, and uh, I'll talk about that in Not All Heroes Wear Capes. Um, but, you know, I'm here, and I appreciate y'all being patient with me, and uh, we're just gonna make it do what it do. And we're going to go ahead and jump into that good old Summer Jam screen off rip. All right. So first things first, let's talk about your man's uh, Kobe Bryant. I wanted to talk about this last week. We'll talk about it this week. Uh, Kobe Bryant was uh, kicked off the jury of the L.A. Animation is Film Festival uh, after uh, some Me Too uh, backlash. So it looks like he might be the next victim. Okay. And uh, let's see here. Um let me i need to find what it actually says um give me just a second here i, I should have had my notes but yeah so there was like a um there was a petition going around and um you know they sent it to the uh g kids variety and uh, annecy uh those were the sponsors i guess for this uh, film festival the animated film festival and you know he won an oscar for his animated short deer basketball but it said, um, here it goes, here's the exact quote. In the light of the Me Too movement, there has been little to no recourse for Kobe Bryant's uh, actions of sexual assault. We demand that G-Kids, Annecy, and Variety revoke their complicity in enabling a sexual predator to continue a life without any accountability, both as an individual, individual and a celebrity. Um, so they kicked him off the uh, the judges panel just due to, um, you know, this whole Me Too movement wave. And here's the thing. Uh, Kobe Bryant was found uh, not guilty. And then I think he settled with a civil suit. And then even after that, the young lady uh, who was accusing him of sexual assault was bragging to her friends uh talking about how kobe had a small dick and then remember she went and made a rap when she was she was like rapping at some karaoke bar about the situation after she got that huge payout um so i just want to know uh why does kobe bryant uh have to and i quote let's see here why does he have to um suffer some recourse for sexual assault when he wasn't even convicted of sexual assault and the young lady uh from uh you know her friends and from other i believe court documents it was talking about how she was bragging about how she slept with kobe and she was surprised that he was so tall and his dick was so little 
Um, and then she went on making that rap after she got that huge payout. So I'm just trying to figure out what are we doing here? And, uh, you know, it's like D.L. Hughley said, uh, you know, in light of uh, Cope, of uh, Bill Cosby being, you know, being sent to prison. You know, I, I, I really didn't talk about the whole Bill Cosby thing when he got sentenced because, you know, I, I, I never forgot the, the pound cake speech and him talking about poor blacks and, you know, going on that, that boule ass tour that he was on, wagging his finger at black folks. Um, and, you know, and I and I don't feel bad for him at all. You know, that's just chickens coming home to roost. You can't turn your back on your people when you make some money off of them. And then you start wagging your finger to them, telling them what they need to do and start talking respectability politics. And, you know, I always say with the respectability politics, uh, we have to go back until, uh, you know, back in the days, you know, once slavery was over up until the Jim Crow era, well, up until the uh, civil rights um bill was passed they was lynching black folks in they sunday's best if you go back and look at some of them pictures some of these brothers is in three-piece suits you know hanging from a from a goddamn tree okay and um so that's why i don't i don't give a fuck about respectability politics i, I just don't um but it's like d.o Hughley was saying you know uh with cosby he needs some uh cellmates he really do and it looks like uh harvey weinstein is about to get off but it just seems like this whole Me Too wave, it just goes so hard towards uh, black folks. And uh, it looks like uh, Louis C.K. is back on the prowl. Uh, you know, uh, Jen, uh, what's that woman's name? Sarah Silverman came out and was talking about how he used to jack off in front of her, but she allowed him to do that. She liked seeing that sometimes. And then sometimes uh, he would ask to jack off in front of her and she'd be like, nah, that's disgusting. I don't want to see that. Then they would run around sometimes uh, butt ass naked streaking through his uh his apartment building she was talking about that on howard stern so here you have a white woman coming out to defend this uh this white man who is accused of cornering women and for forcing them to watch him jack off and shit like that you see what i'm saying but uh they just go so hard in the paint on these black men but it just shows that that white feminist movement was never about equality for, you know, all women of color, you know, uh, and not including non-white women. It was just about them sharing power, this white patriarchal power. That's all that it's about. That's all that the white feminist movement has been about. It's about them sharing. They want to share power with the white man. That's what it just boils down to, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so it looks like they might be uh, getting copy about the paint, uh, which sucks. Um, you know, he shouldn't have stepped out on his wife. Uh, he has a brand to, he had a brand to protect at the time. And, you know, and, uh, this, this is just what happens, you know? Um, but I haven't seen Kobe doing any coon shit though. You know, I know he was one of the, uh, first athletes to really, to rock that. I can't breathe shirt during warmups. Uh, you know, he was one of the first to do it before it actually got real popular. Um, once, uh, the brother Eric Gardner was killed with that chokehold so um we'll see what happens um I feel like it's just going to continue uh when you see black celebrity men um going to continue to be victims of this uh me too movement wave um I'm not saying that Bill Cosby is a victim I don't know if he did or he didn't maybe it was just a case of him you know getting high with some women and uh slinging that pudding pop 
but you know he doesn't have any sympathy for me just lo and behold just because of the whole damn pound cake speech and this whole respectability politics you know now all of a sudden uh you know his uh his lawyers were screaming racism and all this other shit but it's just like well racism didn't exist when you was walking around making this goddamn speech you see what i'm saying so you should always 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 have your people when your people have your back you have your people you know what i'm saying no matter what um but that's that's all i got really have to say about that is it fucked up that kobe got kicked off of the the panel absolutely absolutely and you've seen the agenda right from just that what i did what that i uh with the quote that i gave out um what they were saying they just feel like that there wasn't enough recourse i was just like god damn for real the man went on national tv crying uh in front of his wife asking for an apology from her and to the public you know about him stepping out on his marriage and he bought her like a four million dollar ring you see what i'm saying and you know he, he never he never denied the sexual act he just denied that it was sexual assault you see what I'm saying? And then when you see after with the civil suit and all this other shit, her, you know, it, it started leaking that she was telling her friends how small his dick was. And then she out here making raps and shit like that. It's just like, OK, it's hard to believe that you were a victim of sexual assault. It just really is if you're you acting like that. But that's just me, my personal opinion. Maybe I'm mansplaining, but I doubt that. Um, so let's go ahead and move on. What else can I put up on that good old Summer Jam screen? Oh, the spook who sat by the damn door is um about to uh he's getting getting four years in prison i don't know if i talked about this on the podcast but there was an fbi agent that was talking about how uh there was um he was a minnesota fbi agent and uh he basically was uh he spoke with the intercept about you know the biases and uh, he provided confidential documents uh, you know, with some some surprising numbers on there that just showed just how biased and uh, racially charged arrests that there were in investigations within the Federal Bureau of Investigations. So he was facing, he, so he was in court, got sentenced to four years in prison, and then he's going to have to do three to four years of monitored um, or surveillance at home or some shit like that and uh you know that's that's just his uh they just paying him back you know just for telling the truth he went to the intercept and told the truth and that's pretty much what happened they gonna give this brother uh let me see what the fuck is his brother's name uh terry james albury so um he got about 45 days to turn himself in uh so yeah that's just wild so this was pretty much a black dude who was who was working in the uh, fbi in minnesota and he had he had access like um high clearance uh to a lot of uh fbi files and documents and uh statistics and he pretty much just went to the intercept as a whistleblower so that just lets you know how this system works up down inside out i'm surprised that nobody killed him though maybe i'm thinking cia so i know my special agent is listening to this podcast right now and i'm probably gonna have trouble uploading this episode as i speak um but you know thankful uh thank you to that brother for his sacrifice for you know speaking truth to power even though it's gonna cost him four years of his life um but you know it is what it is some sometimes you know you have to sacrifice for the greater good um man i saw this past weekend i went and seen that movie the hate you give now my wife had to read it my wife has a uh, master's degree she just got it this past summer she got it in literacy 
um, some kind of like English literacy education or something like that. Uh, where it's like up until uh, junior high or something up through junior high uh, she has a master's in literacy and that was one of the books she had to read she had to read a bunch of young adult books and she was talking about how good it was and uh, when she saw the trailer uh, for it on Instagram uh, back in the summer early summer she was excited for it and then you know people started talking about it once it came out a few weeks ago and they were just like oh there's a lot of things that's changed in this movie and so she didn't want to see it because she felt like the message was going to be watered down whatever whatever and i'm just like well i know you read a couple of articles let's just go see for ourselves so if you don't know the hate you give is basically um going off is the hate you give so the acronym is uh t-h-u-g so thug life uh, going off of Tupac's, uh, you know, thug life phrase, which says the hate you give little infants fucks everybody, meaning that, you know, the more that you poison these little poor black kids and uh, these young kids out here, uh, poor kids included. Uh, so I shouldn't just say just little black kids, but it just comes back and bites society on the ass. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, it's going to raise them to be hateful and then the society just goes to shit. That's what it just breaks down to. And so this film is about this little black girl, um, teenager. She lives in the hood. Mama and daddy still in the picture, which is cool. I love that about the, the, the dynamics. And uh, the daddy was no punk. I appreciated that. And uh, her daddy used to be a gangbanger. He got locked up for a few years. So her uncle, you know, stepped in and played the daddy role. And he's a cop. And uh, so my wife was telling me it was a bigger role in the book the uncle was. But he was kind of like a, just like a, a side show in the movie so i didn't i didn't like that too much but anyways um so she's going to a park so she goes to a private white school and she lives in the hood so she has to be two different stars so you know when she's with her family and you know back on the block you know she can be herself the black star and then when she's the white star well i'm not gonna say the white star when she's with her uh at her white school and then she has a white boyfriend who thinks he's black you know he's always making beats and stuff like that and she just falls head over heels for him and shit but she don't want him to meet her family and see where she stayed because she don't want nobody feeling pity for her yada 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 and so she goes to this party uh, with her homegirl they link up with a kid that she grew up with uh that she really had she used to have a crush on and all this other stuff and uh they they leave the party together because somebody is shooting at the party and they get pulled over by a cop because he failed to signal uh his turn or something like that and uh you know he's he's uh you know just asking some questions like why'd you pull me over the cop don't like it think he's getting lippy with him and all this other shit and so um he tells him to get out the car and then he's running his uh license plates and his uh id and shit like that and star just has her hands on the dash and all this other shit because she was filming the cop but he told her to stop filming she got scared dropped her phone so then when he goes back to the car she's digging you know under the seat for her phone so she can start back filming because she's like fuck this i need to start filming that's what she's thinking and then the dude uh her homeboy has his hands on his name is khalil he has his hands on the um the uh the top of the car and then he like man you messing up my car and he reaches in for his hairbrush as soon as he pulls it out cop shoots him like three times in his chest and his stomach and he dies right there on the spot so star is shook and she has to go testify in front of a grand jury but she's uh you know trying to um you know she doesn't want to do it 
um, just because of no snitching rule and all this other shit. And she's just, uh, and her daddy is, uh, you know, just kind of on the fence about it because he used to be in that street life and he was part of a street gang and he did some time for his homeboy who ran these, these things called the King Lords and all this other shit. And so there's this whole dynamic and the boy who got killed used to deal drugs and all this other shit so she finally decides to do an interview like Issa Rae's in there playing a lawyer and she convinces a star the little girl to do an interview uh, about the murder and blur out her face but then she starts snitching about the drug dealers and shit so now they after her and her family and shit so you know there's shootings out her out at her house drive by and shit and then some uh, some more shit and um you know it's just one of those movies where you're just like god damn this shit is heavy because you feel what she's going through um and then her that duality of her you know living in a white world you know going to school in a white world but living in a black world and you know different side of the tracks and shit like that but anyways so there's a so the end i'm gonna just spoil this fucking movie for y'all um so you can go ahead and pause it stop it whatever the fuck you want to do but towards the end there's like a climax where they find out that the cop isn't going to be indicted from the drink for the grand jury said there's not going to send it to trial didn't see anything wrong cop feel for fear for his life yada 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 and uh so they take to the streets you know the people in the town take to the streets go down to the courthouse protesting and stuff like that and then you know star gets up on the car with a bullhorn telling everybody she's the star witness and all this or the eyewitness and all this other shit and she starts talking about her pain and all this other shit you know and so and then uh they get tear gassed and they they run and get dropped off because her daddy owns the, the the grocery store a little grocery store in the hood so they go there to get some milk to get the tear gas out their eyes and then here come those gang members who were mad at her for snitching on live tv about their drug running uh fiasco or whatever their drug running empire so they throw a molotov cocktail in there and so they're about to burn up but then uh her daddy comes at the last minute saves her and then he confronts his old homeboy who he did time for the the, the her daddy did time for um the the king lord drug dealer or whatever and so um and so they 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 fake you know like they about to pull the strap out both of them by like they about to shoot each other but her little brother uh took his took his daddy's gun and he's like holding the gun towards the uh the bad dude the the gang leader and shit and he's about to shoot him and then the cops come and they aiming the gun at the little boy and then she jumps in front of her brother and then it gets to that point she was like it's not the hate you give it's the hate we give and i was like what nigga what and that's and that's what my wife didn't want to see because she was like that's just turning it back trying to blame the community for the corrupt cops and for the cops being so scared of uh, black folk she was like that's why she didn't want to see it because she read that online that you know because the book is much more raw and puts more responsibility on the police as opposed to oh well we got to do better too she goes into this whole speech about it's not really the hate you give it's the hate we give and all this we got to love each other and all this other shit in full circle and it's just like no why did we turn this into respectability politics you know what i'm saying it's just like uh, okay that's a little weird and my wife was telling me because she has two school friends uh one girl's a half but she's half asian and a half white and she has a white homegirl and she was like in the book 
the white homegirl was a lot more racist than she is in the is in the movie. So I was like, man, they just did that so uh, white folks wouldn't be feeling so bad. That's why they didn't make her so racist, and that's why they threw that respectability politics in there with the little boy holding a gun, and it's like, it's not the hate you give, it's the hate we give. You know, like he grew up in some fucked up ass household, and he know he he want, he knows to shoot first and all this other shit. And I was like, the daddy gave him the the Ten Commandments of the Black Panthers, and he was very thorough in their upbringing. It wasn't nothing about him on some dusty nigga shit like he had a bunch of tattoos but he owned his own business there and there were situations where you know he needed to defend his family but it wasn't ever telling his kids oh you need to blow a nigga's brain out and shit like that you see what i'm saying so she and the whole family was stand up mama was a nurse you know what i'm saying and it wasn't anything dusty he had the daddy had once her older brother was is her half brother because uh her the, the parents broke up and the daddy hooked up with some chick or whatever and uh you know but he lived with them full time and you know they accepted him like one of their own so the, the, the but the baby brother didn't grow up in like you know some dusty ass shit you know what i'm saying it was just one of those things it's just like the daddy wasn't out here running around being dusty as fuck so why you got him holding a pistol about to blow somebody's brains out you know shouting leave my daddy alone and shit like that i'm like like what the fucks and you up here speaking that respectability politics so that really that fucked with my wife a lot but i just saw it as i know exactly what they're doing they want to generate you know a lot of money they don't want to have white folks feeling guilty you know for telling the truth they didn't want white folks feeling guilty so it was like oh let's blow let's throw some blame back on these these negroes in the hood and then let's not make one of the white girls you know super duper racist that's what it was so i was i was a little disappointed in that i was a little disappointed in that um let's see here what else has been going on in the damn summer jam screen i just wanted to talk about that real quick um man i was gonna talk about that bombing uh that guy caesar soyek that half filipino half white dude who was a stripper out here melon bombs and shit and he out here just, you know, thinking that he was the, the second coming of a white Jesus or some shit. I was going to talk about that, but I was like, nah, that's cool. Fuck that dude. And then um, rest in peace uh, to them two black folks that got killed in that Kroger's, man. That was fucked up. Yeah, it happened down in uh, Kentucky in the Kroger. So rest in peace to uh, Maurice Dollard and uh, Vicky Jones. Like that was just some cowardly shit. Uh, white dude just went in there and uh, just killed the shot the black dude in the back of the head, and then he shot the sister too. And uh, there was a situation where they really downplaying it as a hate crime, and it should be because uh, one guy was being interviewed and he was talking about uh, his dad was in there who was armed. Uh, I guess concealed carry or some shit and the white dude was like don't shoot me the killer was like don't shoot me you know I won't shoot you you know whites don't kill whites on some shit like that which is wild as fuck and then um you had uh just the situation with the synagogue shooting what was that just what a couple days ago uh when 11 uh uh, people of Jewish ethnicity was killed uh, from the you know religion of Judaism. Uh, man, that was fucked up too. And what was so crazy? He went in there with an AR, uh, killed them folks, killed eleven people, came out firing on the cops, but somehow they just took him alive. So you telling me? Uh, 
man, he killed 11 folks based off of their ethnicity and comes out firing at the cops, but they took his his goofy ass alive. They took the guy alive, and then he was screaming at something about uh, kill all Jews or Jews won't replace us when he was in the uh, damn uh, police station or something. And, you know, then the Cheeto in Chief came out talking about how um, if maybe if there was armed uh security at the at the church like damn dog like man like you need armed guards in the church like i know we talked about that with the the whole dylan roof situation um but damn just to hear that coming from the uh, leader of the so-called free world like god damn like that is just goofy as fuck it's just really goofy and, and sticking on politics um you know, I don't want to go too deep into that, but uh, let's talk about, uh, did y'all see this uh, Turning Point USA Young Black Leaders Conference or some shit? Um, uh, uh, amazing, amazing, fucking amazing. Uh, so if y'all don't know, Turning Point USA is uh, basically a young conservative group that infiltrates college campuses to find bigots uh under the guise of uh, the grand old party under the republican party you know to convert them and things like that and, you know that's when you're most impressionable when you're in college very impressionable because you're learning about different things you're pretty much like a clean slate like you think you've grown but you don't know shit and so you're taking these different philosophy classes you're learning about actual real history and things like that and it, it fucks up what you learned in so-called uh, public schools and you know even if you went to a private school you still got a whitewashed version right so it starts fucking with your mental and then you start dealing with racial politics about you know black folks live over here you know you got the hispanics over there you got the asian kids over here and you got all these white boys right here you got the liberal whites over here you know it's just this, the campus is real segregated and shit like that so you really like a blank slate and these people come in and try to give you some so-called direction right so um they're responsible they brought uh uh, what's that guy's name? Ben Shapiro here. Uh, they went to uh, Creighton University campus and they uh, brought uh, Ben Shapiro to uh, Sokol. He was in and out. Though. Uh, they did it quick because they know a lot of folks would have been outside protesting and things like that. Um, but anyway, so they held a young black leadership conference and uh, Jason Whitlock was a speaker there. Uh, I believe Larry Elder was because I watched Jason Whitlock's speech um on facebook i watched part of it and it, it it didn't surprise me none of this shit surprises me anymore um and you know what you know uh white folks love to uh tell black folks to get off the democratic plantation like the republican party has done anything for poor white folks and working class whites that's what's amazing to me that that's it's amazing to me but um but before I get ahead of myself, did you see those Blexit t-shirts from Candace Owens, who was a Turning Point USA coon and an opportunist? Because uh, before, there was videos, you probably still can find them circulating, of her shitting on the Cheeto-in-Chief before he was elected president, okay? Um, but yeah, you had Candace Owens and Kunye West, you know, with their Blexit t-shirt line. And uh, like I said, Candace is an opportunist and Kanye is mentally ill, it's no secret. You know, they want black folks to get up out the Democratic Party and come to the GOP. 
And, you know, like I said before, they love saying that blacks on the Democratic plantations, GOP ain't done a damn thing for working class whites or poor white folks. You know, as I'm, I want to know what have they done. If somebody could tell me, you know, what have they done for working class white folks or the working poor? That's an honest question. Um, you know, if they truly wanted, if Candace Owens and Kanye West truly wanted black liberation, uh, they would follow Dr. Claude Anderson's plan, uh, steps for political power, you know, and create their own party that put justice to the forefront. You know what I'm saying? But instead, they want to leave one plantation for another. It don't make any fucking sense. Like, nigga, what sense does that make? It makes none. And, you know, right now, the GOP is just licking their chops at all the coons coming over right before midterms. That's what that's what they doing. They just trying to confuse you, black folks, right? And uh, when the Cheeto in Chief got elected to office, you know, bigots would camp out in my mentions all the time on Twitter saying how I lived on a democratic plantation. But when I told them that I was actually an independent, they didn't have a rebuttal for that. You know, they would either block me or, um, you know, call me some kind, some other kind of name or call me a libtard or some shit like that and block me, you know. Um, but did y'all see this goddamn conference though? Uh, just how these folks were skinning and grinning. Um, in this goddamn White House. That was just, that was wild for me. That was wild to me. I seen, uh, you know, I seen some self-proclaimed Twitter hoteps there, you know, at the conference, you know, and I just felt like it was nothing but to garner attention. You know what I'm saying? Um, man, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I feel like those black folks was in that goddamn White House just for attention because I don't I didn't hear anything about policy changes or anything like that I didn't hear anybody chopping up any real game about uh, policies or how can we improve the conditions of poor black folks in this country it was more so uh, you know shitting on the left and it was shitting on athletes and entertainers who chose to use their platform to take a stand against racism white supremacy and that, that was it in photo ops with the president his son getting their hat signed and that's it you know and um you know it was so sad to see these negroes out there showing all 32 teeth in those maga hats you know and i blame the parents you know for not educating their kids on the system of racism white supremacy you know a lot of these were younger kids so they was raising these kids in that so-called post-racial clinton era <coughs> which gave rise to the black middle class. That's when you seen the boom, you know, in those 90s uh, with the black middle class. That's when you really just start seeing that boom up. And then a lot of times, you know, when non-whites across the board, you know, start getting money and achieving the so-called American dream, you know, they raise their kids to quote unquote, not see color. So you got these little blank slate kids running around that can be easily manipulated. You know, and that's how you get these young coons at a turning point USA conferences uh, conference, you know, salivating over the Cheeto in chief. And it's sad. It's it's very sad. Um, you know, uh, Kanye is uh, he's a lost individual and it's uh, very sad to see that. Uh, and he doesn't even see that he's being used uh, by this party. And uh, just like I said before, if they wanted true liberation, they would create they would use their power and influence to start a whole new party, whole third party. There is tens of millions of black folks in here. 
in this country and we could pretty much because if you look at the actual numbers of people who vote it's pretty low the, across the board when you look at actually if you look at the number of registered voters compared to the actual voters uh, that the actual voting number is pretty damn low so if they really wanted true liberation they will follow Dr. Claude Anderson's steps that he had in Powernomics. But it's not about that. You know, it's just about, you know, yucking it up, you know, getting close to the white power structure. It's not about getting a seat at the table or building your own table. It's just about, you know, getting the scraps that fall on the ground underneath the goddamn table. But I've been ranting too much. My nigga Hove, what you got to say? Don't be the next contestant on that Summer Jam screen. I smoke rocks. Alright, thank you so much Tyrone Biggles for that lovely intro of Selling Hope Like Dope. So Selling Hope Like Dope, uh, we have to give it to uh, the new Nebraska tourism uh, slogan. And the slogan is, honestly, it's not for everyone. Uh, nigga what? Uh, what the fuck was that about? I, I mean, is it trying to be cute? Is he trying to be like, hey, we know it ain't for you, so don't check us out. Like, you trying to keep people out of this state? I thought the whole purpose of a slogan was to bring people in. Now, we bring in hundreds of thousands of people during the College World Series, um, during the Olympic trials. Um, like, we have concerts here. Uh, it's a great summer destination. Well, it should say, honestly, it's not for everyone. Uh, just come to Lincoln or Omaha, okay? So, uh, you know, Memorial Stadium in Lincoln is the third largest city in the state uh, on uh, Saturdays when the Huskers play, <laughs> which says a lot about the state. Uh, there is nothing here but, you know, cornfields and, uh, you know, uh, peaks and valleys. That's pretty much it. You know, you got some reservations here, but it's pretty much outside of Lincoln and uh, in Omaha, where I'm at. Uh, there is nothing but just, you know, little, little dinky towns. That's pretty much it. It's just little dinky redneck towns. And that's being honest from somebody who's lived in Nebraska their whole life. I mean, you lock your doors when you go on a road trip. Uh, you know, you don't stop anywhere. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. You know, you travel to Lincoln, you pass uh, a couple of small little towns, but you keep your doors locked. And, uh, you know, I, I can understand what, they, what they're trying to say is trying to be like ironic or whatever. But, you know, uh, most folks just come to Omaha for, you know, the major sporting events. Like I said, the Olympic trials, uh, College World Series, you know, is huge money makers. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, that's a huge event. You know, when, uh, you know, a bunch of fiscally responsible people come here and spend a shitload of money. Uh, you know, uh, that's all due to the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. Uh, but Omaha is dope. It's a great city. Lincoln is a great city. It's a college town, uh, but it's still dope. You have some good fun there. But yeah, outside of those two spots, it ain't really shit but reservations and, uh, you know, little dinky uh, farming towns and redneck communities. That's that's the truth. Uh, there's not too much to do here. Um, and, it's, and it sucks because Omaha is so forward thinking and uh, you know, has a great population of people, an amazing population of people. It's still very segregated. Don't get that. Don't, don't get me wrong. It still is. But 
the city is amazing it's a great city uh so i, I took offense to seeing that uh just because it kind of shits on omaha and i love omaha to the death of me i just i love it i love it i love it inside and out i bleed it um but you know i don't fuck with my state like that i really don't uh you know i fuck with the huskers and i fuck with omaha that's it uh but to to see uh the the state slogan the tourism slogan to be that to be so self-defeating it's uh disgusting it really is and it just shows that uh you know we don't give a fuck about winning and, it, and it's funny as fuck because i think the the population of the whole state is about two million people right big ass, omaha i mean nebraska is a big ass state city of omaha the metropolitan area so if you count the little white flight uh towns like uh, la vista papillion ralston and uh parts of council bluffs which is over the bridge uh it's just over a million people so the other million folks are, you know, spread out throughout the whole state. <laughs> and that's what's fucking funny. That the, the other half of the, 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 of the two million is just kind of scattered out throughout the state of Nebraska. That's funny as fuck. It ain't that many people here. But, you know, I, I just say selling hope like dope because I think they, they want to pique people's curiosity and be like, oh, they're poking fun at themselves. But I think it's just going to... Uh, you know uh just make people more confident in their decision to not travel here and i won't be surprised if numbers are lower during berkshire uh during college world series and during the olympic trials you know if we have if we get the swim trials this year so we'll see um but yeah that's just fucking stupid like i saw that and it was just fucking retarded um let's see here yeah so i was on ig um looking at you know people's reactions to the uh to the new slogan or whatever tourism slogan and the homie steve g um ridiculous uh, he has a, a a branding a clothing line and he does pretty much everything design sneakers logos for a bunch of different companies uh throughout the city and abroad uh, he was uh he uh him and he collaborated with some other folks and they uh created uh explorenebraska.org there's some t-shirts some other swag on there some totes and they came up with different phrases like anywhere you want to be like with the ne for nebraska or not just anywhere um anything you can imagine you know these are all a lot better than honestly it's not for everyone um so make sure y'all check out that site there um it's just and i know this is what fucks with fucks with me the most though i know the state paid some company some uh firm some advertising firm probably tens of thousands of dollars just to come up with that bullshit and it was some slick talking motherfucker that <laughs> that hustled my state up out of tens of thousands of dollars to come up with that bullshit ass slogan and you know whoever okayed it was like oh yeah i see that it's ironic but it'll be something to get the millennials to come here yeah. <laughs> we, we don't even have a fucking accent here in nebraska that's why we have so many fucking call centers in the city <laughs> and in uh in uh in our sister state iowa too because there's no fucking accents <laughs> but yeah that's that's what just gets me too because you know some city slicking motherfucker that <laughs> was just in there like now look look here guys look look it, it's it's fucking boring here right am i honest you guys go other places for vacation don't you and they're like yup this is true this is true i like where this guy's going and he's like <laughs> and he's like look 
we have to be honest about the situation here you know millennials love to be ironic they love that type of thing right so here it is honestly it's not for everyone and everybody kind of looked at each other and it was like oh my god you're such a fucking genius when in reality they just needed them tens of thousands of dollars and they was out here selling hope like damn dope this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l all right so moving on to holding this l we have to give it to caitlin aka bruce jenner for uh tweeting out a picture that reads trans people will not be erased it said that multiple times to the cheeto in chief and then went on this whole um you know this whole uh print campaign you know wrote an editorial about making a mistake voting for trump and all this other shit and um this is what's puzzling to me um now i said you know bruce jenner also because he put his race first that's you know going back to the beginning he put his race first and he was thinking as a white man when he voted for trump all right so my lgbtqiaa people don't be fooled by a symbolic gesture that's why i get so frustrated with black queers it's always sexuality first then race you know so they will feel some sort of inclusion with the mainstream wave of lgbtqiaa rights you know, the only reason that these rights are in the mainstream is because the white dominant society, you know, they can see the humanity, humanity in that group. And when I say humanity, I mean similar looks. So other whites, you know, queer sisters and brothers will be quick to tell you about the racism that they face in their dating community. And, um, you know, he just has to hold this L. Uh, and y'all remember Bruce Jenner killed somebody. Y'all remember that? I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I feel like everybody forgets that, that he, he committed vehicular manslaughter. You know, he killed somebody. And remember, he was speeding up and down, uh, uh, what was that, Rodeo Drive or uh, flying through Calabasas with that damn MAGA hat on like it wasn't no damn thing. And then when uh, Ellen was, uh, you know, chopping it up with Caitlyn Jenner slash Bruce Jenner on her show, uh, about why was he you know voting that way or you know leaning towards being republican he really didn't have any issues he really didn't have anything smart to say about that because he was still thinking as a white man so that's why i feel as if bruce jenner uh turned into caitlin jenner doing all this bullshit just to get some attention because he wanted to be a bad bitch like his ex-wife and we're seeing the same thing happen with kanye west kanye west is doing everything that he can to shit on black folks to garner attention and run around like he's this crazy nigga because he want to be a bad bitch just like his wife. You see what I'm saying? Because people trashed that last album, that Yeezus album, and um, the life of Pablo was like, uh, okay, you getting back there. You know what I'm saying? But it was just the talent and it wasn't matching up with the hard work ethic. You see what I'm saying? You know, after he uh, dropped my dark twisted fantasy, uh, that was like, that was the crown jewel and the kanye discography if that makes sense but it's just something about them kardashian women that makes the men around them lose their minds i mean only one who ain't lost their mind yet is uh who is that scott disick but uh uh courtney kardashian looked like she got some sense though she like she got a little bit of sense you know she wants to be a mama first and all this other shit but 
you know uh but scott he yeah never mind he was an alcoholic and he just been out partying and fucking young girls so yeah yeah they they do something to these men they're doing something to these men you had lamar being a goddamn crackhead smoking rocks with his daddy and you know they found him in a whorehouse high off of goddamn gas station viagra and uh energy drinks and that made him have what a heart attack or some shit or a stroke or some shit like that but um this whole uh going back to this whole caitlin slash bruce jenner thing you know i don't want people to fall for the okie doke because he fell right on in line thinking like a, a, a bigoted white man when he voted for uh, the cheeto in chief and i remember when the cheeto in chief was talking about uh they weren't going to allow uh transgendered folks into the military anymore uh he came out speaking some shit but he still he knew what he was dealing with he knew exactly who the cheeto in chief was when he went into that voting booth or he filled out that absentee ballot and voted for that man and even after he won he was driving around in the drop top with his hair long and a MAGA hat on you know what I'm saying so I don't want non-white and uh you know people of other sexual orientations to be confused about where he falls in line and I think most of y'all aren't but that's just it's just a symbolic gesture and that's the same thing that we see in going back to selling hope like dope uh not selling hope like dope but the summer jam screen was talking about uh kunye west and candace owens uh you know this it's all symbolic you know this is nothing but a ploy from that side the right uh the grand old party to kind of get black folks uh to question their vote or to come over to a different side so they can continue to control uh you know the u.s government that's what that's what it's all about you know that's why they're doing it so close to these midterms and you're going to see more shenanigans the closer that we get to november 6th and that's just what it boils down to and i just hate seeing black folks being used and i hate to see other folks you know so-called minority groups being used too you know and and every single group just falls for the trick bag every single time it's just like y'all don't see this like y'all don't see this y'all just let it fly or fall right in line with it you know no sort of resistance whatsoever but you know i should have had uh caitlin jenner slash bruce jenner selling hope like dope because that's all that it was it's just a symbolic gesture but your vote helped get that man into the uh to uh, 1600 pennsylvania avenue that's all that it is you know and now all of a sudden it's regret and and we started seeing that uh what about a year into this presidency we started seeing all these articles come out about people having uh regrets about voting for him you knew exactly who this man was you knew exactly who this man was and i hate that we try to put this uh this blame uh, this wave of racism and bigotry on 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 uh, the cheeto in chief because he's a lot of things uh but he didn't start this wave you know what i'm saying it's like dave Chappelle was saying in his interview uh he's just riding the wave that's it he just surfing that motherfucker looking like kelly slater if you don't know who that is that's a famous surfboarder and um it's one of those things where you know it's easier to resist because it's so blatant and in your face you know that real fight started under obama you know we have that liberal racism and you know everybody's just kind of lulled to sleep and you had so many blacks so many blacks influential blacks from, from athletes to celebrities during those obama years them, them eight years 
you know, swearing up and down, ain't no racism, ain't no, so you crazy, it ain't no racism, we got a black president, you know, and it's just like, you don't see all these racialized killings and shit going on, oh, it's just isolated incident, and it just, and now that we got the Cheeto in chief in office, and these, these, these folks turned out and voted like they was voting for the first white president, now all of a sudden, you're like, oh, well, I guess there is a little bit left, you know, and it's one of those things where, we have to stop being so goddamn naive and wrapped up in our own world. Um, that's that's the tough part when you think about that. People get so wrapped up in their own thing and you look up, goddamn, oh shit, it's too late. You know, it's too fucking late. But going back to this Caitlyn Bruce Jenner thing, uh, fuck out of here. Like, literally, don't nobody give a fuck about you out here. Oh, I'm so regretful and da-da-da-da. Nope, he was just thinking like a regular-ass white man protecting your own interests that's what you the fuck you were doing and there's nothing wrong with white men but i'm just saying just thinking like a bigoted white man i should you know change change my wording here um but yeah caitlin slash bruce jenner i'm calling you bruce jenner because that's how you was thinking when you were voting uh both of y'all gotta hold this in you win perfect <laughs> All right, so moving on to not all heroes wear capes. Uh, this is going to be a little difficult for me. I'm going to try to get through it. Um, all right, let's do it. Um, so I'm going to give it to my brother, uh, my best friend, um, man, my confidant, uh, my uh, voice of reason, um, my right hand, um, and like I said, my brother, uh, Jarrell, Kingpin, Prime, Value. Um, I got a call. I was on my route. Uh, my other best friend, uh, Ike, a.k.a. Bogart. Y'all heard them both on the podcast before. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through it. So I get a call. I'm on my route from Ike. And um, normally I don't take calls on my route. You know, it's always when I get back to... Uh, the plant or big, get back to the warehouse and uh, then I'll call my people back um, so I'm getting ready to turn off in the traffic and uh, Ike's calling me and I'm like something in my gut told me to pick up the phone so I answered the phone this was on the 18th, October 18th I won't forget it, it was right before 6 o'clock um, and I was just finishing up for the day he tells me it's like hey you know, um, you know, Jay just called me, which is uh, Jarrell's uncle. Um, he's like, "Yo, they found um, they found Jarrell in his apartment, dead." And uh, right then and there, I didn't believe it. I was just like, "Man, you bullshitting!" And I know my brothers don't play with me like that. Jarrell, like, they don't they don't play like that. They don't do elaborate pranks and you know shit like that like we'll snap on each other all day but we don't we don't play with death uh, we've seen it too many times and uh, I didn't want to believe it uh, we didn't hear from him you know for a little bit over a week and uh, but he does that sometimes you know a lot of times he just kind of gets in his mode where he just want to you know make beats you know be in the studio be on his job and just kind of you know get away from us from being so goofy and shit right he just does that that's just him and uh so we thought he was going on another sabbatical or whatever and uh and my heart broke 
just shattered, million pieces, man. I'm just bawling, driving. I didn't even know if I could make it back to the warehouse. Um, in time, I was glad that I was done with my route because I don't think I could have continued. And uh, it hurts, you know. Um, but this is my best friend. I've been knowing him and Ike since since we were fucking 11, 12 years old. 22 years I've been knowing these guys. And, you know, they my mama's play sons and family. Um, we just been through so much together. And, uh, you know, this is... It was the reason I didn't do the podcast last week. You know, it, it just that news devastated me, crushed me. Um, the funeral didn't make it easier. Um... It hurts. It sucks. It really does. Um, you know, I can't, you know, be fronting like the shit is sweet. You know, I'm hurting. Um, you know, he was family. You know, blood makes you related, but not necessarily family. And, you know, Prime and Ike are the definition of family. Um, you know, I was lucky to call Jarrell my brother for those 22 years. And, uh, you know, one thing that was dope about him, you know, he had a pure spirit. You know, he kept it 100 you know, there wasn't a deceptive bone in his body at all. You know, what you saw is what the fuck you got. And I always appreciated that in him. He always, you know, restored my faith in humanity because, you know, he was always pure. If he said What's, what it is what it is, always gave you the truth, didn't sugarcoat shit. And he was just always, there was just a childlike honesty in him you know how kids just tell you what the fuck is on their mind and shit like that and you're like that's true that's how he was you know um he always griped you know about society and its ills and i think it was just because of how corrupt you know mankind was and is um he, he just didn't understand like why couldn't you just keep it 100 why does there have to be this deceptive this deception and you know so much and everything that you know that happens in society um so you know once you know uh, he got called home and you know i stopped all the crying i still catch myself you know in the shower by myself shedding a couple tears but you know i know that he's in a way better place way better place you know in his funeral you know it had an amazing turnout so many people showed up it was standing room um you know so many fucking people showed up and it was beautiful to celebrate you know my man's life my brother's life man um and it, it was just amazing to see that he touched so many people he touched so many people but on another note i'm gonna keep it 100 Fuck that pastor, whoever gave, uh, you know, this eulogy or whatever. Uh, this nigga had a gold tooth. <laughs> this fucking pastor had a gold tooth. And he started talking about, you know, he went off on a tangent talking about heads or tails, heaven or hell, and Russian roulette. And he talked about people not believing in Jesus and, you know, because of YouTube channels. And then he managed to squeeze in Beyonce and Jay-Z into it. You know, the whole eulogy was a goddamn commercial for himself and his church. Now, if anybody knows my brother Jarrell, a.k.a. Kingpin, a.k.a. Prime, you knew that he was, you know, a practicing Buddhist. He, he loved to meditate. Um, he was always on a spiritual journey every single time. Loved to meditate. Just loved to just go into a whole different realm to find peace for his soul. 
he didn't he wasn't one of them organized religion cats you know he he wasn't about that so the sermon did not fit my brother and that's what pissed me off you know that just kind of that rubbed me the wrong way all the way through um and i know kingpin didn't approve it you know folks was looking around at each other in the whole room like yo is he really on this shit and he even the the pastor knew he, he was bullshitting because he was because he, he even called it out he's like oh i know y'all see me with the gold tooth y'all looking at each other and blah 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 he's like because we know you up here on this bullshit we can see right through you brother you know and we know that Jarrell wasn't about this this type of shit you know this judgmental shit going to heaven or hell and you know playing russian roulette with your soul and all this other shit you know that's fucked up to say at somebody's funeral you know um but anyways you know this is not all heroes wear capes you know i'm like i said i'm just fortunate to have known my brother for 22 years since i was 12 and to be one of his best friends, because me, him, and Ike were like the three amigos, you know, um, just down by law, just man. And he always talked to me and Ike out of bullshit situations. You know, there's been a couple times that he didn't talk me off the ledge from, you know, breaking my foot off in somebody's ass or making a bad financial decision. And uh, I'm not gonna, I don't have that anymore, which sucks. You know, and I don't have that friendship. And, uh, you know, on my Tuesdays, he would always stop by and drink a beer with me. And we just talk about life. And that's somebody that I could have, like, really deep, meaningful conversations, you know. And, uh, man, but my man's soul was always heavy. It was always heavy. And I just know that he's in a, a lot better place. I know that. I know that. And, um, you know, to my brother Jarrell. You know, I want you to know that I love you and I miss you and I will see you on the other side when it's my time. And um, just thank you for everything. All right. So moving on to health over wealth. You know what I say? Without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. So I'm a piggyback off of Not All Heroes Wear Capes with me losing uh, one of my best friends. Uh, it's like my mama always say, uh, I was spoiled. I was lucky enough to have two best friends for over 20 years. That's what she told me when I broke the news to her that one of her play sons, uh, you know, passed. And I and I revel in that. You know, I you know I I, I didn't even think about that because it's just one of those things where he's just like, oh, we just been to three amigos you know for so damn long that you know you kind of take your you don't even think about the friendship it's just more like a brotherhood you know it's just like i know i can pick up the phone and call them they can pick up the phone and call me you know they need to borrow some money from me you know i got them and vice versa and you need a place to lay your head you know i got i got you you know they got me um and uh i was thinking back to when uh Jarrell rest in peace uh, I'm gonna tell the story about you but I remember he uh he was living in Texas we were uh shit this was about maybe 10 years ago this was right no about nine years ago this was after the uh this was right when the financial crisis was happening and shit like that and Obama got elected first got elected so he was living down in Texas he was a security guard down there and he was still fucking with beats and making music for artists down there and uh he lost his job 
and you know shit was just kind of going bad for my nigga and uh <laughs> and so he texts me he's like yo i lost my job and you know he called me and we talked about it and i was like man you know you're gonna get your unemployment you know you've been at that job for a couple years i think he was there for about two years i was like man you be straight your unemployment kick in and everything like that and then once we got off the phone i shot him a text message like yo if shit breaks bad for you you know you know give it a month and i said give it uh yeah i said give it a month or something like that no 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 i said give it two weeks you know if or something no i said a month i said give it a month and uh you can come up here and live with me uh to get back on your feet you can come back up to omaha and you know you always got a place to lay your head man cuz hit me up like two days later like what's your address i'm in omaha <laughs> i was like what <laughs> and uh man and i was broke as fuck i was working at uh oriental trading company and i was working at target to make ends meet i was working two part-time jobs and to keep the lights on i couldn't even keep my damn lights on without having to donate plasma so my both my checks would go to my rent because i lived in uh i lived near downtown so both of my checks would go towards my rent and my gas because uh, i had to pay the gas bill and my light bill would come from me donating plasma a couple times out the week i was going through it boy i was broke to the motherfucker and uh and he came there and you know he was down and out depressed and shit like that so he was sleeping on the couch and uh then he had a little table set up where he could make beats and stuff like that and uh even though he was going through it he would always be there making beats had these big ass headphones on just bobbing and just going through it you know and then we chill i'll get home from work and watch a movie and you know just sit up and just just shoot the shit you know but um and i used to be so mad looking back at it because cuz lived with me for like a year and i used to be just so mad I was like man my nigga gotta get up and look for a job da, 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 da. but he was depressed though and I, did, I, didn't, I didn't understand depression at the time because I've never dealt with it. And just how it just kind of immobilizes you, just kind of freezes you, you know. Uh, so, and, you know, when a man loses his job and a source of income, it just kind of it, it, it defines who you are. You start feeling like a loser and shit like that. But I didn't understand that, you know. So I always tried to keep him laughing and shit like that. But I barely kept food in the fucking fridge, though, too. And uh, let me tell you how broke I was. Uh, my mama used to bring me food, used to bring us food. Um, Cause she was down at, she was just right down at the courthouse working, uh, which was a few blocks from my apartment. And so when she got paid, she would bring us a little bit of food. And, uh, and I was so broke that uh, we couldn't afford chicken breast for the chicken helper. So I used to drive down to McDonald's, get a couple of McChickens uh, with no mayo, and uh, I would and I would get two of them for two dollars. This is when they they, they still a dollar now here in Omaha. And uh, I would dice them up, dice up them fake ass chicken patties, and put them in the uh, in the chicken helper. And the shits used to be banging though. <laughs> but I was mad, you know, that he was just on my couch, you know, and really not doing nothing and just making beats and shit like that. But I, like I said, I didn't understand the depression. But man, I would give my fucking left hand. Shit, I'd give the whole left side of my body just to go back and relive those experiences, though. I would give up everything, you know, my house, uh, just everything. The house that I'm in now, the, the, the amazing job that I have now, I'd give all that shit up to go back in time and experience that whole year again. But 
I'm rambling. And this quote is from Oprah Winfrey and it's so fitting about our friendship. It says, lots of people want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. And that just describes our friendship with me, Ike and Jarrell. Um, my, my, my brothers and um, it sucks that it's down to two of us um, but we're just going to continue to live for him and we're going to keep thriving for him um, but yeah you know I hope that y'all have someone in your lives uh, I hope y'all have some just some good friends I wish y'all have half the friends that my friends were are but that Jarrell was and that Ike is that even if y'all get half of that you know that would you know it'd be amazing you know because like i said these two my brothers and um it's just tough it, you know it doesn't get easier you know realizing that my brother's gone uh you just get a little stronger every day but, you know cherish your people make sure you check on them and uh you know pick up the phone call them you thing answer and go check on them because uh, that's what really just kind of fucks with me and like that we didn't just pop up on him, you know, but like I said before, like, he just normally does that, he'll disappear on us, you know, for like a week, maybe even two, don't even speak to us, and then he just pops up, like, hey, what's good, you know, getting out of that funk, and, you know, working through, you know, getting his spirit right, and there's nothing wrong with that, you gotta, you know, refill your own cup before you, you know, be out, you know, diverging so giving out so much energy to other folks you know and i'm not saying that me and ike are draining ass people but you know it it, it does take a lot to hang with us you know what i'm saying like we we, we can get wild sometimes and uh he was just like the, the cool laid back one out of us out of all three of us but um i just i hope y'all check on your people and uh you know learn from my lesson of me losing my best friend and you know check on your people check on your brothers your sisters um check on your moms your pops your grandmas your grandpas and i just want to say thank you to all my family and people on social media who uh just really hit me up to check on me and shit like that you know i appreciate and love y'all for that um but i know y'all don't want to keep hearing this sad shit um I'm going to go cry in the corner. <laughs> but this has been episode 141 of Do-Rags and Boat Shoes. And I just appreciate y'all rocking with me and staying with me. Um, and not hitting me up on some, where the fuck is the episode at? You know, sometimes I get those kind of emails too. And, uh, you know, DMs on Twitter. So I appreciate y'all not doing that to me. Um, but stay tuned for another G-Code lesson. And this is going to be for my young boys out there. All right? So stay tuned. Welcome to the G Code. All right, thank you so much to myself and Tyrone Biggums for this G Code intro. Um, so this one wasn't on my original list, but I'm seeing a lot of um, dusty niggas out here. I don't know why, but that's what I'm seeing right now. Just a lot of dusty niggas. And uh, we're going to talk about how to not be so damn dusty. You know, I see a lot of guys um, out here. And it's just, this is just from looking at social media and just, you know, some people that I know 
um, that's in some fucked up situations but don't want to change it. So this this is where I'm seeing it at, right? You know, you got some brothers, you know, laying up in a woman's house, you know, because their money is fucked up, you know, so she treating you like a grown child now. And, um, you know, I'm going to tell you the, the young boy something here. Don't ever leave your parents house to go lay up in another woman's house. You know, get your own spot. That is key. You know, but then on the flip side, you have some of these women out here. They want a hood nigga, you know, but at the end of the day. You know, they end up dealing with some dusty nigga with tattoos who was fronting like he was a hand-to-hand paper gangster, you know, and but she don't know that yet. So she, you know, move him in, you know, because I guess he can't get a house, you know, he can't get his own apartment or something. His credit's fucked up. He ain't got no job. He's supposedly getting hand-to-hand money. So she moves him in and, um, you know, get mad because he ain't working and he ain't bringing in no money. And when a man isn't working, fellas, you know, the woman's respect for that man decreases or it's uh, barely visible. So next thing you know, she's on social media talking about men are trash. But then on the flip side of that, you know, a lot of times these women want these women want to get them a hood nigga, so to speak. So uh, they can, you know, be more intelligent than them and be controlling. You know what I'm saying? Because before they might have dealt with a controlling dude or, you know, something or a very strong willed individual. You know what I'm saying? Just an old school man, you know, who wants to lead and all this other shit. And she didn't like that. So she's like, let me give him one of these dumbass hood niggas that she perceived as dumb. And, uh, you know, that she, that she thinks she can control, you know. So she's going off saying men are trash and all this other bullshit. But then when a brother who's suited, booted and got money that's deep rooted, you know, approaches said woman, you know, she looks at him like uh, like he's a square, you know, because she's used to wallowing in dustiness, you know, and is afraid of upgrading to that next level. You know what? And that's a lot of us, you know, because we are creatures of habit and we love the familiar. So if she used to dusty niggas, then you're just going to have to let that woman, you know, lie in that filth. You have to move on, player. You know, that's for my my guys that are suited and booted and upgraded themselves you know and got that money that's deep rooted all right but let's talk about upgrading yourself for all my dusty niggas out there first things first that you need to do you need to create a routine so you need to get up at a decent time get up like you got somewhere to be like a nine to five you know you can't be up till three four in the morning playing nba 2k and then getting up the next you know later on that day at like 2 30 p.m in the afternoon you know what I'm saying? You have to keep a regular sleep schedule and you have to work out as soon as you wake up. So all you have to do when you first wake up, that alarm go off, get down on the floor, hit 10, 20 push-ups, get up, hit 30 jumping jacks, and then that'll get the blood flowing. And that's actually going to put you in a good mental state, you know, because you've done some physical activity and you accomplished something. You know, you got something checked off. Hey, I worked out for a little bit, you know, and those numbers that keep increasing. But if it don't, just do that, get the blood flowing and, you know, shit like that. And for my, my big boys out there who can't hit them 10, 20 push-ups, you know, hit, hit, them, hit them knee push-ups, you know. Use your knees and, you know, push that upper torso up there, okay? If you can't, you know, have your feet and be flat as a board, you know, if you can't be up on your feet like that. And sooner or later, you're going to get to that point where you can hit them regular push-ups. But like I said, you just knocked out a physical activity and you accomplished something. And next thing you need to start doing is writing down your action plan. So what does your life look like a year from now? Right. And then 
make a goal for five years and then for 10 years later, what does it look like? Jot it down no matter how crazy it sounds because it's only crazy if you don't do it. Now, if you do it, then you just, that shit just came to fruition. You know, but if you're lazy about the shit, you know, it ain't gonna, gonna happen. But if you write it down and keep looking at it, keep it in a little notebook, you know, that you keep close by you, you know, in a book bag. Because I have one. I keep it in my little, my workbook bag. And it's just a little, you know, something I could throw in my back pocket and always little jot little notes down to myself. And, you know, I follow up with plans and stuff like that. It just, you're holding yourself accountable, right? So... You know, you, you're doing that, you're getting up on time, and you're like, what the fuck, I'm getting up on time just to write in the journal and do some jumping jacks. Well, that ain't it, player. You know, your next step is you have to make a job out of looking for a job. After high school, I'm going to tell you a little bit of story, like I always do. After high school, I didn't go straight to college. I wanted to work. And so my mom, Dukes, told me, you know, you have to make a job out of looking for a job. You know, so I would be at the library um, using that internet you know be down there filling out job applications be out talking to folks you know doing that four to six hours a day you know with follow-up calls and you can do the same thing you know ain't no shame in working for your money you know i know instagram kind of makes it hard you got you know uh just niggas out here fronting like they got it but they don't i'm gonna tell you something these rap niggas is broke you know what i'm saying ask joe button he'll you, you know he'll tell you you know, um, he's making way more money talking about pop culture and being a social critic than he was as a rapper. You know, don't let them purple diamonds fool you. It's costume jewelry and movie prop money. That's what you're seeing on IG and in these music videos. And fuck what another person thinks about you on that nine to five grind. So I got another little story. So um, we went to Lipsticks, which is a strip club in Council Bluffs. And uh, they wear pasties and stuff, but it's a strip club. And then next door is something called Dipsticks. That's for the ladies. Uh, <laughs> but so we go to Lipsticks uh, for my brother, uh, rest in peace, Kingpin, for his uh, birthday. This was back in the early 2000s. This was maybe 05, 04, 05. And, uh, you know, his cousin, who's always talking shit, was there. So I was working at Blockbuster at the time. And like I said, I think this was about 05, 06. And I was making my little nine seventy-five an hour, and at the time the minimum wage was, what like five seventy-five or six fifty-five? I can't remember, but you know, so I wasn't doing too bad, right? So here I am. What was it? Oh five, oh six. So I was twenty-two. Yeah, so I was twenty-two, and um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I was twenty-two. Yeah, twenty-two. So around that age. Um, so I wasn't doing too bad, right? And you know, I show up fresh off of work. Uh, we closed at midnight at the time, and so I went straight there. In Council Bluffs, you could drink till 2 a.m., so it was open till 2 a.m. So, um, you know, uh, you know, I was fresh off of work, so I had on my Blockbuster polo, had on some cargo shorts, and probably some fresh-ass kicks, because I stayed in some fresh kicks. Um, you know, so I'm in the blue polo and some cargo shorts because it's during the summer, and your man's Kingpin's cousin, rest in peace Kingpin, is trying to flame me, you know, he's like, oh, this nigga came in here in his work uniform, this nigga came straight off the plantation, and blah, 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 just talking shit the whole time, so I'm like, whatever, so I just laugh it off, proceed to buy my, my, my bro a beer, rest in peace, and a lap dance, end of the night, cousin comes up to me, and he hits me with, hey, on the real, you know, he pulled me to the side, y'all hiring? <laughs> So let this be a lesson, you know, 
the lesson here is when niggas hating on your job, they just, you know, got a little bit of envy in them and they money looking funny in the light. Secure the damn bag. All right. So now you got your job. That money starts rolling in. Now you have to be smart about your money. Right. It's coming in. So you uh, always spend your money on necessities. Right. That's off rip food, clothing, shelter. Get your own spot. This is huge, right? So now you ain't out here being a hobosexual, you know, slanging dick for a place to rest your head at at night. All right? Nothing boosts your self esteem like having your own place to call home. That's got to be your first major purchase. Them sneakers and them Hermes belts, you know, that can wait, my G. Get up off that hood rat's nest. You know what I'm saying? Stop slanging dick to have a, you know, a pillow to put your head on. Stop doing that shit. It's dusty. All right, so now you got your spot, you got your bills handled. So now, you know, that first few months, you know, being on your own is kind of tough, you know, but now you got your bills all paid down, you got a little rotation going and shit like that. So it's time to start saving your money. You have to pay yourself first. That's what I always think uh, when I get paid. Um, I pay myself first. And paying yourself first is just saving money, right? So at the very least, you know, you can start off doing 5% of your paycheck. Ideally, you want to save as much as 20% of your after-tax pay. But I know sometimes you need to pay a bill ASAP. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I fluctuate between 10% and 20%, just depending on what kind of bills me and me and the wife got, you know, going on and coming up, or if there's a big purchase coming up. You know what I'm saying? So you always can change that on your employer's website. But saving money. Um, you know, it gives you a sense of responsibility and your confidence at work will grow once you have a healthy amount saved up, you know, so you won't work like you're in uh, dire needs and your bosses won't take advantage of that if they sense it. You know what I'm saying? It's about getting your money, but keeping your dignity. And uh, as you uh, heard back, what was that last year? Uh, when me and so sassy did the episode when we was talking about the fuck it fund and that's pretty much what it boils down to is just having you know at least three months you know worth of bills you know money to cover your bills you know just in case you have to quit a job find something else you know or you get laid off you know that's what it's all about but it also gives you confidence that you don't put up with no bullshit on the job so if you're in one of those situations where it's dire needs you know you could have a shady ass manager you know who uh you know forces you to work overtime so you know overtime starts after 40 hours you know what i'm saying but you know so you worked maybe 40 let's just do some simple math so you worked 48 hours you know this week you get paid every two weeks so the next week they only schedule you 32 and then you end up getting a paycheck for 80 hours but that eight hours from that previous week from that 48 hour work week was just tacked on to the following week so they wouldn't uh, pay you uh, overtime money that had that's had happened before i seen it happen at blockbuster and uh, a store manager got fired for that for doing that shit lady went to the um eeoc and uh yeah he was uh he had her you know she was in a situation i ain't gonna say her name but she was in a situation where you know she was just trying to make some extra money and things like that and the store really needed her and uh they had her working you know all these crazy hours and then on then they would just cut her hours the next week or keep spreading them hours out so instead of her working 40 hours you know it would be like you know, 37 and then here's the three hours of overtime i'm gonna pay you right here and just make it out to an even 40 instead of paying out overtime right all right so let's see what else we got going on here so it's just like i said get your money but keep your dignity so you got your job got your own spot got your 
you know your savings account booming and popping whatever you want to say i'm an old man you know that uh <laughs> so now your confidence has grown so it's time to step up your network game you know you need to politic with people that are pay grades above you you know it could be the head manager or department manager at your job that you're working at you know you can always check social media for uh networking events every major city has and even omaha be having you know uh black professional networking uh uh shindigs and shit like that or like brunches where you know uh, professionals get together chop up game and you know exchange business cards and things of that sort so don't be afraid to put yourself out there and ask questions you know at these shindigs you can find a mentor you know someone who's doing their own thing and you can pick their brain and you know who's at these networking events right we was talking about getting about that hood rat nest got your own spot popping got your money in your pocket you know what i'm saying bank account looking healthy you know what i'm saying you suited and booted money about to be deep rooted and you at these events you know who's there women who got their shit together you know what i'm saying so now you can step up your dating game with a better selection of women to choose from my bad well to get chose you know the women always do the choosing you just got to be a peacock out there and doing your thing you know what i'm saying so you know you're doing that networking you know building your confidence soaking up game uh learning what you want to do uh so now that you're doing that you need to learn all that you can at your nine to five you know and use those skills either for a promotion or a new position at a higher higher uh paying job you know what i'm saying so and if that's not the case you know, make sure that, you know, uh, you can go to school and learn a trade. I don't know how many times I talked about this on the podcast, but I think there's been numerous summer jam incidents where I've talked about how jobs aren't getting fulfilled. Uh, skilled trade jobs, you know what I'm saying? Like HVAC, commercial driving, so a CDL, construction, electrician, etc. Those jobs are sitting empty across the 50 states because everyone wants a four year degree. You know, that's the wave now. Or everybody wants to be a influencer on social media and all this other bullshit and want to get paid to tweet or get paid to make Instagram posts and shit like that. So see if your current job that you at right now does tuition reimbursement. You know, if you get a Pell Grant for school, what you need to do is pocket the reimbursement money from your job. You know what I'm saying? A lot, a lot of times all you got to do is show them the cost of your classes and then show the class schedule that you're already registered for. And then basically what they'll do is cut you a check, you know, up to so many dollars per quarter or per semester. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a check they just give you. They give you so so many uh, so much amount of money. You know what I'm saying? And all you have to do is just show them how much the classes cost, your book costs, and then uh, show them that receipt or whatever or the total or whatever. You can always figure that out you know not even a receipt from your book cost but just the classes you registered for and then they should have you know in the hr office where you work at you know how much it costs per credit hour like you know forty dollars and fifty cents per credit hour or some shit like that and all they do towards the middle of the quarter or the semester they just give you a check for that amount Right. And then you got a Pell Grant, a grant you don't have to pay back. And that's already paying for your classes. So you just pocketed, you know what I'm saying? Six, seven hundred dollars right then and there. You know what I'm saying? So that's just something to think about. Um, let's see here. So you just have to stay focused and, you know, get that certification. You know, if that falls in your line, you know, something that tempts you or something that you feel like you could do if you're not trying to be out here and be an entrepreneur and shit like that you know if you find learning a trade and you know got a little hustle on the side that's fine 
you know if you stay focused and get that certification next thing you know you starting off at 55 dollars your first year at a new high skilled job you know and I'm going to say this, you know, once you achieve all these steps and you get to that point, you know, where you're bringing in 60 racks a year and shit like that, you know, it's easy to go back and stunt on folks, you know, who did you wrong in the past, you know, once your money's looking right. But I'm going to tell you something, King. I'm going to tell you something, Prince. You know, don't be petty. Know your worth. Always give back and grow. All right. So I'm giving you the game so you can give other people the game. Right. But when I first get you the game, soak it in take those action steps you still have to do the work no matter what i'm gonna tell y'all some secrets um no matter if it's self-help book um some kind of you know mental health book uh just any way of improving your life they give you great tips and skills and shit like that but it always boils down to you have to do the work that's required to upgrade yourself and change your life you always have to put that work in that's what life is about is uh basically working and manifesting your dreams that's what it boils down to all right so let's stop being dusty out here and always know your worth give back and grow all right so this has been this episode of the g code and y'all will tune in next week and uh i'll make it do what it do sorry for the wait <laughs>